My name's Paul. I'm one of the elders here at Oceanside Church, and I have the privilege of sharing the word with you today. How are you guys doing this morning? Exciting to see so many kids in the house, isn't it? That was a lot of fun. They are a blessing and a joy from the Lord for sure. I was thinking about this morning and what I wanted to share on and minister on, and I was, I was considering uh, a bit of a story. I, I worked in the finance industry for a while, and a, a friend of mine, I, I still do, a friend of mine and a colleague, he had this dream of owning a BMW M3. Anybody know what an M3 is? All right, okay, a few of you guys. Notice it was all the guys that put up their hands. So this was like his dream, right, of having this super nice M3. And um, it was this goal or this thing that he was hoping one day he was going to get. And while I was working, he got the BMW. And uh, within short order, maybe a year or two, realized that, you know, that desire, that longing in him wasn't really satisfied or fulfilled with the BMW, Now, I wasn't surprised because I've owned a BMW. It gave me nothing but problems. But I don't know what it is. There's something about guys and BMWs. You know, there just is. There's this thing of status or like this accomplishment of, hey, I I got a BMW. But, you know, it really is meaningless. And it really is one of those things that we're not going to find fulfillment in. And I was thinking about that as I was preparing the message and thinking that actually in life there's a lot of things that we pursue and that we chase and that we go after that will leave us unfulfilled and will leave us in a place of not being satisfied. I'm sure you can think of a few that maybe you have looked toward or really longed for and all of a sudden you got it and you're like, oh, well, that's not really satisfying. Can you relate? Blaise Pascal says this, you've heard this, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. I've come to realize this, that there's nothing in this world that can satisfy like him. There's nothing in this world that can satisfy like him. And God has actually designed each one of us, you and I, in our hearts, in our very DNA, there is a longing and a desire to know Jesus and to serve Jesus. And, you know, in this day and age, in this world, a lot of people tell us what we should live for, what we should prioritize, what's important. But the more I mature and grow, the more I realize that I have to be very, very careful what voices I listen to. And I know that if I want to live with meaning and to live with purpose, if I want to live for what matters, that I need to go back to the author of my life. I need to go back to the one that made me because he knows what's worth living for. He knows what will satisfy and he knows what will fulfill in life. So this morning, what I want to minister on is living for the kingdom. I've got three points to go through and leave you with some handles. And I I am not ministering this morning from a place of having this all together. So I will humbly admit before you that I am on a journey. But I hope that I have learned a few things and I hope that they're encouraging for you this morning Because God has meaning for you, and his kingdom is worth living for. The first thing that I want to say that's important in 
understanding what it means to live for the kingdom is that we need to know what the kingdom's worth. We need to know what it's worth. You see, everything does pale in comparison to knowing and serving Jesus. The longer I go, the more I realize that. You know, I think some people figure that out early in life. Some people perhaps later on, near the end of their life. And yet, there's actually others that I don't think are really ever going to understand that until it's too late. But everything does pale in comparison to knowing Jesus and serving him. So what does Jesus tell us that we should value? What does he suggest is important? I want to look at a parable in Matthew 13. There's two of them here. The first one is the parable of the hidden treasure, and the other one is the parable of the pearl of great value. I'm sure you've heard these. I hope you have. And we're going to take some truth out of them. So in Matthew 13, 44, it starts and says this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Then he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought. So in this story, one person just happens to stumble across the treasure, understands its value, and goes after it. The other is searching for a pearl. He knows he's looking for this, and then he finds it, and he does the same thing. He sells all. You see, the response in both of these parables is the same. They understand the value, and they sell everything for it. They go after it. So I could summarize some of this parable and say this, that the riches of Christ are worth far greater than all the wealth that the world can offer us. The riches of Christ are worth far greater. But you know, not everyone understands the value People see this differently. Consider those that maybe look at the kingdom and they see little value. You know, someone stumbles across the truth of Christ. It's hidden from the view of the world and they don't see value in it at all. We know that. It's not like the gospel and the truth and the Bible is hidden. The world knows what a Christian is. All they see though is a field but they do not look below the surface. They do not time, take the time to dig and find the treasure. They see little value in this perspective. They only see from the perspective of the world. The, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.13 that to them, the gospel is foolishness. They don't place value on it. It's not worth pursuing. It's not worth giving time up for. It's not worth trading in things in life for the kingdom. But then there's those that see great value. In the context of eternity, they recognize that, hey, the temporal things are all of the stuff that we have. It's worth giving up for the sake of that which is eternal. You know, it's interesting in the parable, it says that they sell all. So when they recognize the significance of the kingdom, they go, whatever I have... It's, it's not worth anywhere near 
the value of this treasure, the value of this pearl, the value of the kingdom. And they're willing to make that trade. They're eager to make that trade. But if we don't dig below the surface, we're not going to understand the value of the kingdom. If we never really do some of our homework and consider in the scope of eternity, I think we can be like those that don't appreciate and value the kingdom. I uh, stumbled across a story when I was thinking about this, and this story happened recently in 2017. So five years ago, that a man in Massachusetts, he was attending an estate sale. I've never been to one of those, but I think it'd be kind of interesting just to see what, uh, what people collect over their lives. So this man attends this estate sale, and he sees a picture. We're going to put it up on the screen. He sees a picture, and he says, oh, that's an interesting picture. I think I'll buy the picture. So he buys this picture, a woman and a child. So he pays 30 bucks for this picture. Turns out later when he goes to get the value of this picture that this picture was an old Renaissance picture that was drawn in an original in the early 1500s. The estimated value of this picture was $50 million. He paid $30. Talk about an exchange, right? 30 bucks for $50 million. And I just kept thinking about this. How many people looked over this painting over the years? I mean, this guy had it in his estate sale, and obviously he didn't know what it was worth. His family didn't know what it was worth. Whoever came and facilitated the estate sale and put a $30 price tag clearly didn't know what it was worth. But how many people looked over this? I wonder if they had it maybe hanging in their house, or was it, you know, collecting dust somewhere? But this picture was not appreciated for its value. This picture just sat. Of all the people that I thought about when I was thinking about this picture, I thought about the people that actually owned it. They had something of significant worth, worth far more than anything they could have accomplished in their lifetime, and they never got to appreciate the value of it. It was just dismissed. And you know, this, this worth, I'm sure you can think about, well, what do you do with $50 million? What I can tell you is that this would create legacy for generations to come, especially if you apply the word <laughs> to how we should steward money and finances. The impact would be significant. There would have been inheritance for generations, but it wasn't perceived as valuable and it was quickly dismissed. You know, I think often the kingdom is like that for us. We don't see or understand the value. Do we know what we have? Do we know what we have access to? What value are we placing on the kingdom? I know we might think like the $30 or what we have in life is a lot. But just like the picture, what we have in eternity, what we have in living for the kingdom is worth far, far greater. It really is. Paul's somebody in the scripture that understood the value of living for the kingdom and the value of knowing Jesus. He says this in Philippians 3, 7. He says, whatever I had gained, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things 
and I count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. He understood the value of knowing Jesus and living for him. You know, there's a great investment. I, I work in finance and in the investment world, and there's a, great, there's a great principle to managing money. It's called diversification. You want to diversify your, your wealth so that you're not taking on what's called unsystematic risk of one asset. So, the, the, yeah, I'm losing you with some terms here. The point is, if all you own is one thing, well, if that one thing does really poorly, then your whole portfolio does really poorly. But if you diversify, it's okay if one thing doesn't quite work out. But you know, it's interesting. With this and in the kingdom, this principle doesn't apply. We don't need diversification when the asset has insignificant or has um, immeasurable worth. There's nothing that compares to the value of kingdom. So we don't need diversification. We can actually foolishly invest anything and everything that we possibly have in him, in knowing Jesus and in serving Jesus. It's a safe investment, friends. We don't need diversification when it comes to the kingdom. We just need to invest because it is a sure thing. How many of you would love sure things in life? I can tell you that investing in the kingdom is a sure thing. Lots of people tell me, Paul, where should I invest? What should I invest in? In the kingdom. Invest in the kingdom. It's guaranteed. You're never going to come back to me upset because things are going up and down. It's a good investment. Invest in the kingdom. All right, so what else? So are we talking about living for the kingdom? The first thing is know its worth. Know its worth. The next thing for us is that I want to say that you, as an individual, me as an individual, that you're actually designed. You're designed. You've been created to live for him. You were actually designed this way. So when we think about the kingdom of God, a lot of us think, well, what on earth does that mean? It's just this big, broad thing. I want to just simplify it this way and say that it is the rule and reign of God. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. When you think of a kingdom, a king oversees a kingdom. He oversees territory and everything that falls in the realm of that kingdom is his. So for us, we're talking about the rule and the reign of God, all of which he oversees, everything that comes under that kingdom. So what does it look like for us in our lives if this still, you need this broken right down for you? Well, it starts when we choose Jesus as Savior and what? Sorry, I can't hear you. Not many of us want to say that one too loud, hey? Savior and Lord. Lord, Savior and Lord. Lord means that he is overseeing, that we are submitting into his kingdom, that we are living for him. So for us, this is where this starts. So when we talk about the rule and reign of God, it's bringing our lives into his lordship, into his kingdom. John 3, 3 talks about it and says that we are being born again, that we are brought into a new kingdom. We become, and 2 Corinthians five seventeen it says we are a new creation, in him. You see, our old life, what was happening outside of the rule and reign of the kingdom, has been left behind. The word says that it is basically nailed to the cross, it is buried, 
and we are made alive and new in him. How many of you are so thankful that the person you were before Jesus is dead and buried? Amen? He is dead and buried. He is left behind. God says that we are a new creation in him. You heard my wife share this. And that we are citizens of heaven. We have a citizenship in heaven. So the rule and reign of God is overseeing all. So heaven down, we come under that authority of the kingdom. It is authority that is above the authority of Canada, of the nations of the world. We are in a kingdom that is above it all. And we are being pulled toward heaven. Hallelujah. How many of you are thankful that you're going this way? I am thankful I am going this way. My citizenship is in heaven. And I have freedom and authority here and now because I am connected to eternity in Jesus. Amen? By design, he has created us to live for him. In 1 Colossians 13, it says that he's delivered us from the dominion of darkness and he's transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And what matters more uh, is not what we've been saved out of, it's but what we've been saved into. We have been saved into a kingdom that is advancing. And God wants to advance his kingdom through you. It's important that we understand what we've been saved into. The word says that he chose us intentionally. In Exodus 19.6, he says, You shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. In, one, in Ephesians 1.4, it says, He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. You know, it's not like when you played on a sports team and each side picks a captain and then the captains pick the team. How many of you were picked last? All right, maybe a few of you. Nobody ever wants to be picked last. I want to say, friends, you were picked before you were even born. God chose you. And don't just look at your neighbor, your friend, or the one you think speaks better than you or is more handsome than you. Or No, no, you. Turn to the person beside you and say, God chose you. God chose you. Before you even existed, before you made mistakes, before you stumbled, before you found him, before you chose to choose him as Lord and Savior, the word says that he chose you. He chose you. In John 15, 16, it says, You have not chosen me, but I chose you and appointed you that you go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, that he may give to you. We have a good Father. He gives good gifts. And he's chosen you and he sets you apart to bear good fruit. You see, God has more for us than just salvation. Salvation is just the door to the kingdom. It's just where we start. And maybe it's just me, but I feel like there's a lot of us as believers that we make it through the door and we're just so glad we made it. We're overwhelmed, but we kind of just stop. And I just want to encourage you that there's a whole kingdom for you to explore. That there's a whole kingdom of the promises of God over your life. That he's given you authority to change the world because you've been brought into this kingdom. And God wants to bring his kingdom in your life. And he wants to bring his kingdom through your life. And he's chosen us to do it. It says in Matthew 6, we know the word that talks about 
the, the treasures on earth. And it says that we should store up treasure in heaven. We get to store up treasure in heaven. And in this kingdom, friends, you and I, we have inheritance. We can give our lives to things that will have eternal value and eternal significance. How many of you would love to know that what you do now will matter for eternity? Not for a week, not for a month, but for eternity. I want that. How many times have we done things in life where it only mattered for a very short while? You know, when I'm playing with my kids, you know, I can build a little tower and my little Nicola will come and she will wreck that tower. She comes in like a wrecking ball, smash, and it's gone. It doesn't matter that I just spent 20 minutes doing that. I feel like that's often a lot of stuff that happens in life. The world says that in this world, we will have troubles. But God says, fear not because I have overcome the world. But there are things that we can do that will have eternal significance. Even if your world is getting smashed and you feel like what you put your time toward doesn't have eternal significance, God actually has things for you that will matter for eternity. Amen? All right. What else? The third thing for us is this. If we want to live for the kingdom, it's not going to happen on its own. It's not going to happen on its own. God is looking for those of us that will see the value in his kingdom and go after it. He's looking for those of us that will put him first. And I have to start here that we do this out of a motivation and a love for him. Friends, we can't do anything that's going to matter for eternity if we don't do it in love. The word tells us that we are a clanging cymbal. We're a gong. We make, we make a whole lot of noise, but we don't have impact. We must, we must do this from a position of love. If you hear nothing else, hear that this starts from an attitude of love. Why is that? Why is it it must start here? Well, for me, I love Jesus because he first loved me. And as I spend time with him, my love and appreciation grows for him more. You know, when I spend time with my spouse, with my wife, my love grows, my appreciation grows. And I want to serve. I want to do nice things for her. I want to go out of my way so she knows that I care. It's the same with Jesus. The more we spend time with him, the more we want to serve him, the more we want to live for him, the more we want to adjust things in our life so that he's first. But that revelation comes from us watering that truth. It comes from us intentionally putting him first. You know, I have to be honest, for me, I, when I came to the Lord and I, I knew the Lord when I was young, but then I went on a serious walkabout. And when I came back to serving God, I was at a low. And I just fell in love with Jesus. I just fell in love with Jesus all over again. And I couldn't get enough of spending time with him. And I just went to everything that I could so that I could grow and mature in him. It's amazing what God will do when we just say yes to him and we put him first. Changed my life. It can change yours. But you know, God finds us at all different stages of our life. You know, I found God when I was at a low. I came back to him when I was at a low. 
But you know, this thing of living for him, not every one of us recognizes the importance of this, whether we are in a low season or a high season. I'm sure that some of us are going through struggles in life. That maybe right now in this season, you're feeling that you're at a low. Maybe it's financially things are challenging. Maybe your marriage is having a hard time. Maybe there's family dynamics or work stuff is difficult. Maybe it's a low. Maybe it's hard. Maybe it's hard. But you know, there's also the, there's others of us that actually we're flying. And you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Paul. I'm like on cloud nine. Life is good. God is good. My business is flying. My family's amazing. I just married the girl of my dreams. Life is good. There's a scripture that's interesting here. In Matthew 6.31, whether we're in our low or our high, this scripture applies. It says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. I always remember this as a kid. There was a song that they sang out of this. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And it had this really ridiculous beat to it. And I still remember that in my head from the times when I was a child. But you know, this thing of seeking him first, maybe it's just me, but I think it's easier when we're at a low to seek him first. Usually because we just don't know what else to do. I think it's actually harder for us when we're over here and we're flying and everything's amazing. But the same principle is true for us in our lives. God says that we should seek him first and his righteousness. Seeking him first is not passive. It is active. There's an engagement on us to put Jesus first. His kingdom is something that we want to go after. You know, there was a time in my life in the early days where this was quite easy. Where I was a single man, I maybe was at a bit of a low, sure. But I also didn't have a lot of responsibility. And life changes and seasons change. And the season I'm in right now is different. I've got three kids. Uh, Life is full. I started a business, it's less than a year old. I serve on an eldership team here at Oceanside Church. And you know, if that's not enough, Katie and I also serve on the NCMI apostolic team where we go and we minister into other churches. Life is full, but it's by choice. And I find that in this season, the importance and the significance of seeking his kingdom first and putting him first is so important and it, and it looks different. In this season, it actually, I have to be very careful what things I say yes to. I've got to be very careful what things I say yes to. So seeking him first is actually saying no to other things. But it's by choice because I understand the value of his kingdom. I've put it first. And you know, there is a cost to this. There is a cost. In the parables we're looking at, they sold everything, Right? 
And they, and they went after the kingdom. They sold everything. They went after the thing that was most valuable. I think many of us spend a lot of time thinking about the cost. Often people talk to me and they're like, Paul, you're so busy. Why do you do all these things? You're cry- your calendar's crazy. You live the life of two people. Why do you do this? You know, and, and usually because I can't go on a hunting trip or a fishing trip or something fun, I've got to say no to some stuff. And, you know, guys, it's by choice. Friends, it's by choice. It's by choice. It's worth it. The pearl of great price was that that pearl was so significant. It was worth going after. And it's like that in the kingdom. Putting him first, seeking the kingdom, it's worth it. It's worth it. The value is there. It's worth it. You know, my wife and I just celebrated 10 years of marriage. And guys, I, what a joy. I honestly cannot believe the goodness of God in my life. People say that they married up. Guys, I married way up. I looked as high up as I could. And I went, Lord, that one, that one. And you know, <laughs> I got to marry my wife, Katie. She's incredible. And God has blessed me beyond words. You know, he has blessed us with three incredible, beautiful children. My goodness. He's blessed us with community. I've been part of Oceanside Church since I think 2002. Man, we have friendships that will last a lifetime. I'm blessed beyond words. But it hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been easy. There is hard times. There's been difficult times in those 10 years. But you know, what I know is the faithfulness of God. I know that the constant has been in our marriage because we spent time reflecting and talking and praying when we went away for a few days. The, The thing that has remained the same for us is that we put the kingdom first. We chose to live for him. We made it a priority. We said no to other things. But guys, God has seen us through. He has seen us through. That scripture in Matthew says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. It doesn't say to seek him on Sundays. It doesn't say to seek him when it's convenient. It doesn't say to seek him once your house is built, once you're married, once you have kids, once everything is in line, once your career is established. No, it says seek him first. What does that mean? It just means that we put him first. We put him above the pursuit of everything else in life. And here's the promise. Here's what God says. He says, and all these things will be added to you. You know, in that scripture, it's talking about basic provision. And I appreciate that maybe we're not in a position in North America where we're all, you know, desperate for basic provision. But that same principle applies that God will oversee the details of our lives. He is a good father. He is such a good father. He will oversee it. He will take care of you. He will watch over you. He will watch over your family. This is the testimony of my life. I've got a fun little story for you. When I was 19 and right around the time that I decided to, to serve God, I, uh, I always wanted a truck and a boat. Okay. Always wanted a truck and a boat. That was just this ridiculous thing. I had a little journal while I was out fishing and I would like draw a picture of a truck and a boat. And that's what I wanted to go after. 
And I know now as a mature believer that those are meaningless, that they are not going to bring fulfillment, and they are just things, right? But you know, about, let's say, four months ago, I really needed a truck. I know that this is crazy, but I needed to replace a vehicle. It's just a thing. I know that it's not super spiritual, like I needed food on my table, but I needed to replace a vehicle. And I looked hard and I'm like, well, what would be the, the best thing for our family in this season? And, you know, I wrote out, well, what are those things in the vehicle? And, you know, I just like, God, I need some help. You know, I got a phone call a week later. My father works at an RV dealership. Not a car dealership. There's a difference. These guys don't sell vehicles. He's like, Paul, you know that truck that you were talking to me about? He's like, I think I have it for you. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he starts to go through the list of the things that this truck is. My goodness, it was literally everything that I was looking for. And I know that might sound ridiculous to you, but I'm telling you that that was God. That that was God overseeing some minor little detail and bringing provision in my life. And there's no way it wasn't anything but God because RV dealerships don't really take trucks in on trade. And the chances that it was the color, the age, the style, everything on the list absolutely floored me because it was the goodness of God. It was the goodness of God. And I know that it's a nothing. Please hear me. It's just a truck. But it was the goodness of God. And as I was driving this truck out to, we were out to, in a Soyuz, I just kept thinking about, man, I love this truck. And I just remember my father, that's for you, my son. That's for you, my son. God has good things for us. And yeah, I know there was a picture of a boat, but sometimes the way God brings provision is better than the way we think. I have better than a boat. I have friends with boats. friends with boats. I'm telling you, you might think that the thing that you want and need is what you want and need, but I'm telling you that God knows more. He knows better. He'll look after you, but seek him first. Put him first. Friends, God will oversee it. He will look after you. I honestly feel like when we come to the end of our days, we're going to look back and we're going to wish that we put more value on the kingdom. I honestly do. I honestly do. I know, I, I think, I hope this is helpful. I want to go through a few things quick. I know I'm taking a long time, but I just, can I leave you with a few handles? Can I go through six things that I think will be helpful for you? Just some handles. How do we do this? How do we live for the kingdom? What does this look like? Where do we even start? Quickly. The first one, just spend time with him. I know that that's really You know, this wow idea. Guys, just spend time with God. Read his word. Pray. Worship. Spend time. We're never going to graduate from that one thing. So if we want to know how to live for him, spend time with him. Because that's where we get motivated out of a place of love. Here's another practical handle. Review your calendar. What are you giving yourself to? What are you giving your time to? Does it reflect living for him? What are we prioritizing in this coming season? Friends, September is going to hit. Kids are going to go back to school. Things are going to start up. And you know what? Unfortunately, it's going to start raining again. But there's a new season coming. What are you choosing to prioritize in this new season? I, I, can I encourage you to ask yourself some tough questions? Here's a few. Is this thing that I'm prioritizing good for my time? 
Is this thing something that God has asked me to do? Is it the right commitment in this season? Maybe more importantly, God, how do you want to bring your kingdom in this commitment? God, how do you want to work through me in this thing that I'm doing? What else? Here's a third one. Gather. The word says that we are to gather with believers. The word says that we do it corporately. So glad you are here. But we also do it house to house. So we gather corporately and we gather house to house. The word says to gather. We're never going to graduate from this one. Corporate's really important. We come, we're envisioned, we're encouraged. We worship together. You know, we're prioritizing him. But God also has something for us that happens in a smaller way in smaller communities. And here's a plug for connect groups. God's desire for us is to be plugged into small community as well as large corporate. That's why it says in the word in the early church that they did both. Why do we value small groups or connect groups? Because this is a primary way where discipleship happens in our lives. This is where we grow and we mature and we spur one another on and we go through the valleys with each other and we go through and over the mountaintops. I want to encourage you, if you are not plugged into some small group in your church community, go and do it. It will be life-changing. Commit to it. Make it a priority on a regular basis. Just really quick, I know that it's not easy, but it's worth it. Serve. I want to encourage you to serve in the body. Serve. Serve in the body. You know, the, we understand that we are the church and the church exists, right, for the benefit of others. We don't just exist for ourselves. We exist for the benefit of others, which requires serving, if we want to create a place that does that well, we serve. And there's lots of ways to serve in the community. I want to raise up some connect group leaders and release them. So if you want to serve and lead a connect group, come and talk to me. Because I want to make space for people to serve in that way. Because there's ways for all of us to serve in the gifting and calling on your lives. Serve. Can I encourage you with that one? The next one is lead your family. <laughs> if you want to know how to live for the kingdom, lead your family. You know, our children aren't going to believe in the value of the kingdom because we say it. Our actions will speak louder than words. You know, we just had a, a parent baby dedication, and that's important because it's, it's parents choosing to dedicate the raising of their child to serve Jesus right? But that does take something on us. And I think often we, we, we overemphasize the value of lots of things in our kids' lives. And Steve Barr, a guy that serves on the NCMI ministry team, he said this, and it just made me laugh. He said, you know, your kid doesn't, you know, he doesn't necessarily need another oboe lesson, but he does need to learn about Jesus. You know, we spend a lot of time going to these kids' programs and we organize our life and we just think they have to learn how to do this and this and this and this and this. And remember, we're talking eternity. I believe that there's value in some of these things, but I want to encourage you, spend time with your kids. Imagine if you took a 45-minute block just once a week and taught them the things of the kingdom and how to value them. Imagine what that would do in your family. Let me encourage you with that one. And the last thing I want to say is this, don't stop. Don't stop. When we talk about living for the kingdom, don't stop. Just keep doing it. 
no matter what season you're in, no matter what's happening in your life, whether you're low and in the valley or you're on the mountaintop and you're flying, there's another financial principle. It's called dollar cost averaging. It's a great way to invest. You do it over time, right? That way you're not committing only down here when things are low and you're not trying to time a market and you're not just trying to figure out how to do it when you're up here. The idea is that you're constantly investing over time because you can't predict the future. And eventually, you are rewarded with a fantastic investment. It's the same. You can apply this principle in the kingdom. Give your time constantly, consistently. Serve him, live for him, put him first, no matter what season you are in. And let me encourage you and say this, that you will look back Maybe it'll be a 10-year period. Maybe it'll be six months. But I'm telling you, you will see that investment grow in your life. You will see it grow. And I, I, I know that when we talk about kingdom and their sacrifice, that this does require something of us. But it's worth it. And some of the inheritance, some of this thing of seeing it grow in our lives and the, the value of it in the end, we aren't going to see until eternity. But when we get to eternity, we're going to see it and understand it forever. And the word says that we have treasure in heaven waiting for us. Treasure in heaven waiting for us. Why don't we stand? I've been long. I want to pray for you guys and then I want to release you. Let me pray for you. Father, I just, I thank you for the reminder that you are a good God, that you are a good father. Lord, that you have chosen us by name, you've brought us into your kingdom, that you've given us purpose, Lord. I just, I look out and I see your people, Lord, and I, God, I see people that have been set apart. I see people that you want to bring your kingdom in and through. Father, I thank you for each one. And Lord, I pray that they would know you, that they would know the significance of what you've called them to. Father, come alongside them, encourage them, May they fall deeper in love with you. And from that place, Lord, may they serve you. Come and work in and through their lives, God. Lord, I pray, Father, in this season that we see great fruit, God. Lord, may they see the value. May they go after it. Father, Lord, as the enemy would come and try and distract, God, I just pray you'd be the loudest voice in their life. That you would be the loudest voice in their life, God. Come, Holy Spirit, and work through your people. God, we are excited for what you want to do in the kingdom in this season. And we say yes and amen. Here we are, God. Come and work through us. Amen? Amen. Bless you guys. Trust that you guys are going to go and take the kingdom. Amen?